Hey everyone, I'm Alexa. And I'm Catherine. And we're the girls behind Tickets, Please. And on today's episode, we're talking about the Paris episodes of Gossip Girl. So as some of you know, Catherine is in the middle of watching Gossip Girl through for the very first time. And she and I have been discussing it off the podcast, on the podcast, on and off about little things because we knew we wouldn't be able to cover it in one episode. And she just got to the opening of season four and watched the Paris episodes. And we started to briefly talk about it and then realized that we have enough content to cover an entire emergency episode about just these two episodes at the beginning of season <laughs> An four. emergency episode 10 years later. <laughs> emergency episode because it was too good of a conversation to have not recorded. It honestly feels like an emergency to me. So you're correct. <laughs> it felt like one to me when you said that we should do an episode on these episodes, absolutely no hesitation on my end. That this it was like midnight was. and I was sobbing to you on the phone about Gossip Girl. <laughs> Obviously, you know, not to bury the lead, the one of the best scenes of the whole show is in the second episode of season four. But before we get to that, and before you got to that, you had said that you had a lot to say about the colors in these episodes. And I was dying to hear what you had to say. Or maybe the sets more than the colors. Mm, okay. I loved the apartment Chuck was in with his girlfriend. And I think normally when those types of shows, if they were to put people in Paris, the way the set would be designed, it would feel sort of like an American cliche of what we think Paris is supposed to be. And I don't know. Maybe that even was there a little bit. I've never been to Paris. So who am I to say? It felt like an apartment that had been there. It didn't feel like a set to me. And it could have been. They did really shoot in Paris. So it could be that they found an apartment to use instead of building a set. I have no idea what the shooting was like on Gossip Girl. I don't know how many sets they used and how much was just there, even in New York. I think when you said it, I had never really realized, but the these episodes in, in Europe look very different than the normal episodes of Gossip Girl. It seems brighter and more vibrant. I think it does look better. They might have been shooting it better. They probably had a lot of money at this point in season four. I got to imagine their budget had gone up for the season and it shows. It's lit so much better and everything is so like vibrant and beautiful. All right, you guys, we had some audio issues, but we're back. We were talking about the sets, um, specifically Chuck's apartment with that beautiful French girl. The film over the glass on the door that has the star cutouts. (laughs) Take me to Paris, baby. Chuck's outfits. Excuse me. He's dressing like it's 18th century France. And I didn't know that that was everything I needed. 
His hair is so like lightly tousled and he's wearing these beautiful linen shirts. I'm I'm aware that he's a good looking guy, but I don't necessarily find him attractive. Put him in those. Excuse <laughs> me. I get it now. And honestly, if anyone could make a cane and a limp work, it's <laughs> Chuck Bass. He's like walking around these cobblestone streets with an effing cane. And it's amazing. <laughs> that scene where he's walking across the street and Blair pulls up in the car behind him and they are shocked to see each other really hits me. So I watched them again after we decided that we were going to do this. And it was after you had pointed out to me the parallel between that moment in this and in Sex in the City. And it did something to me. I, I can't get I can't get over it. It's so good. I'm so glad that they wrote this one with them actually seeing each other. Yes. Because it's so deeply painful in sex in the city when they don't that i it's like finally some justice i mean the two of them it's so criminal that they didn't go on to have amazing acting careers because you can tell so much of what is going on without them speaking they're both very good and they make each other better yes she plays that moment perfectly and even the way she yells at the cab driver to keep going. What are you doing? Suddenly we're stopping for pedestrians' beats. It is in such a, a frantic way. And you can tell just everything that is coming across her face from seeing him and then wanting to get out of there as quickly as possible because she can't even bear to look at him anymore. I want to talk about Serena for a minute. I know it's your favorite topic. But I actually enjoyed her in these two episodes more than I normally do. I think the moment when she's on the phone with Lily and Lily's telling her that she has to go identify a body and if she can do it. And Serena's looking at Blair as she's hailing a cab and it cuts back and forth between Serena looking at Blair and Blair just like Mm -hmm. hailing. I thought that was really well played. You can see on her face how a heartbreak, like she's thinking about how she's not even going to obviously tell her until she knows what's going on, but thinking about having to tell her and what, what that would do to her. I felt that emotion, but not because of Blake's acting. I think that it is a combination of both. The The editing was really good because it cut back and forth in a, in a g- great way because you can hear Lily saying what she's got to do. But I do think that Blake does play it a little better than maybe you want to give her credit for because she's not as overdone as she normally is. There's a little more subtlety to her facial acting, which he's not her strong suit. I can I can give you that. And also, I think she's funnier in these episodes than she normally is. Like I love when I love when they're going on their double date and the guys pull up and they think that the one that's going on the date with Serena is the prince. And Blair turns to her and she's like, So that means your date is a prince and mine is charming, handsome, and loves Monet. We make our own fairy tales. Let's go. 
It's so much more quick-witted than she normally is. She's normally so ditzy, I want to say almost. She's not usually as sharp-witted as she is in these episodes. Because even when they fight by the fountain, which is ridiculous, but it's not as ridiculous as it normally would get. She's not so playing into this into the Blair thing as she normally would do. She normally heightens it and she's just like, whatever. And like even the way she turns to Blair when Blair says that she's going to tell the guys that she fell into the fountain, just the way she says, seriously, no one's going to believe that. that. And then she pushes her in. I think it's just a little bit less coquettish and <laughs> annoying as Serena is. Then again, she's not trying to flirt with anybody. So the first thing that made me cry in these Paris episodes was when Blair and Serena are talking as Serena is packing to leave. And I texted you. And then I think you went back and watched it again, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. When Blair says to Serena, They say it's a broken heart, but I hurt in my whole body. The way that, oh, I didn't even realize I'm actually doing what she did. I don't know if you can see my hands. Yeah. I did that without even realizing it. The way that she delivers that line is just heartbreaking. I know most of us know that feeling and you can tell that she knows that feeling. That was real. That was coming from a real place. Yeah. So the scene. Wait, I have one more thing before we get there. I just the the ramp up to it's you know you said it to me it was when she was at Harry Winston you said it to me but I think it's actually before that you can feel it going to the place it ends up at with them at the train station there's something happening where you know that that's where it's headed starting with I love when Serena comes in and Blair's getting ready and she's telling her about the dresses and she's so happy and then Serena says something about finding Chuck. Oh yeah. She says that she went to see him and she says, and Blair gets up and, and says, you talk to Chuck. No, I don't care. I don't even want to know what he said. I've been waiting all summer to feel sparkly again and I won't be pulled back into the darkness. She, she can't help it. She has to say, Oh my God, you talked to Chuck. Like what happened? What did he say? But then she's like, Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm getting ready for my big date with the Prince. Something about hearing you retell that just now, the energy of her in that scene almost reminds me of Charlotte. Like when Charlotte gets like riled up about something. Yes, it is very much so because she's, she's sort of, she's thinking with her head instead of her heart. She's trying to be like, you know what? Nope. I'm not going to deal with that. That's I I can't even think about that. I'm not going to give it any, the time of day because I'm getting ready for my date with the Prince. Which, by the way, I don't know if this was on purpose. I have no idea what's on purpose, what's not. But this episode parallels the beginning of season two, the Hamptons episode. Because it's a similar story. Blair's dating a guy after a big thing with Chuck, who's pretending not to be a a royalty and then ends up being royalty. And same thing with Louis. He pretends to be a commoner or driver, and he ends up being whatever Louis is. I think he's the prince of Monaco. 
I don't know if the Gossip Girl writers did this on purpose, but it's a weird parallel because she asks Chuck to say that he loves her and he won't. And she ends up going off with the Duke. And it's a very similar, she's faced with the same choice again, where she can go off with the royalty she's always wanted to be and thinks that she already is or, (laughs) or choose Chuck. And in this time she chooses Chuck. But also herself. Yes. More so herself. Yes. But so when you, you texted me when you were watching it the first time that when they're at Harry Winston, you said Blair is at Harry Winston. I love where this is going. <laughs> or I think I said, I like, I know, or I can already see how this is going to play out and I'm mm. freaking out. So I guess we got to get to it. First of all, whoever selected that song deserves an Emmy. <laughs> Okay, I don't know that song. I feel like I Me should neither. because that whole show is such a time capsule mm-hmm. of, of that era's music. And I know all the other music. That song, I don't know. Only no, from that scene now. But <laughs> talk about perfect. I have a list of notes, so I don't know. <laughs> feel free to interject anywhere. <laughs> you go. <laughs> go ahead. Everything about it is so beautiful visually beautiful when blair's car pulls up the background of all the shops and restaurants behind it and then she gets out of the car and i remembered you telling me sort of warning me that there was a scene in this episode Mm -hmm. where blair is the most beautiful ever yeah and of course we already saw her in this dress yeah but when she gets out of the car uh, it's insane. I just got chills thinking about it. <laughs> also, I don't know if you realize this because you're not a huge fan, but it it parallels Pretty Woman because she's wearing a red dress, and uh, in Pretty Woman, it's a ruby and diamond necklace. I don't, oh. I don't think it's rubies in this one, but mm-hmm. it's it's, it's a similar. similar look, and there's no way that they weren't inspired by that. Mm. When she runs in that dress from the car into the train station and she runs by. Eva knows immediately, of course. And it's not just that she knows, but it's that, like, she doesn't seem mad, just more sort of like, I understand Eva's great. Eva's amazing. amazing. And it feels, this might be like a weird thing to say, I don't know, but I've always had this idea that Europeans have the, have like a, a different they just have a different perspective on love and relationships mm. than maybe Americans do and in my opinion a healthier one mm. and I think if it were an American maybe she would feel angrier whereas she just sort of like has this knowing about it and knows that like that's sort of the course that things were meant to take and I, I think it's really beautiful. And it's so great because all she does is run by her. She just sees her, gets out of the car, and she runs by her. And she sees Serena get out of the car behind her, and she says, who is she? When Chuck is looking down at the train tickets, and he looks up, and Blair is there, I, I feel like I've been knifed through the heart. I can't take Gossip Girl seriously 99% of the time. This scene was so serious. So this is before we get into hyper specifics. 
There is something deeply different about this scene. It's not the way they normally speak. It's not, especially to one another. It's not the way it's normally written. And their attitude when they say things is not the normal Gossip Girl attitude that everyone says things with. I have a note on that, but I have a feeling that it's probably something you're prepared to say even before I say it. Even the audio and the writing sounds and feels like an old classic movie. Yeah. After he looks up and sees her and they lock eyes for a minute and then it cuts to that head-on symmetrical shot of them walking toward each other. I can't. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I wrote down this quote. I like almost can't talk about this. When Chuck says... A chance to live simply, earn people's respect, maybe become a person someone could love. It's like he's becoming a human being right before our eyes. And then Blair says... He quickly says... Someone did love you. She says it really quickly after he finishes his sentence because she can't allow him to think that he needs to be somebody different for someone to love him. When he says, I destroyed the only thing I ever loved. Her face. I mean, she deserves an Oscar for the performance she gave because she... I love what she chose to do throughout, which is she keeps swallowing like she's you can see her swallowing like she's holding back tears the whole time because she's not she has tears in her eyes, but she's not fully crying. And she takes a lot of breaths and she takes a breath after he says that because they're they let a silence sit there for a minute and then she pulls out the ring and gives it back to him and says I don't love you anymore but it takes more than even you to destroy Blair Waldorf the way that she says that the first part of it when she Mm -hmm. says I don't love you anymore is is so much different if I had read that script I would have expected that line to be delivered like, I don't love you anymore. But the way she says it is almost like she's reluctant to have to say it. I think it's because she's saying it to herself, not to him. It's it's because she thinks that she has to say that because she can't. She almost in this moment wants it to be true, even though she knows it's not. So she has yeah. to say it because she's hoping yeah. that if she says it to him, that it might one day be true. That yeah. she. Because right now she's just so in it that she can't imagine that she won't. So she's got to say it because she knows he needs to hear it because she can't deal with the alternative. The way that he looks at her through the whole thing, but, but specifically after she says that, Mm -hmm. Because he knows, too, also that, like, I think that he doesn't even really believe that in this moment she doesn't love him. But he's hearing what she says. He knows her so well that he knows what it takes, what it's taking Mm -hmm. 
for her to say that to him, which then means that he knows what he's done and really how badly he's hurt her. (laughs) (laughs) This is insane. I love the look in her eyes when she says to him, it takes more than even you to destroy Blair Waldorf. She gives him a little smile and it's almost like, I I don't know. I can just picture her face so well when she says it, it's just the slightest smile and her eyes are lighter than when the, the statement she just made. Because she's finding herself and she knows that. And she, she's not, when, when you go through that kind of heartbreak, there's a period of time where you're like in a tunnel, like you, you don't choose to enter it. You find yourself in it and you know that at some point you're going to come out the other side, but you can't know yeah. when that's going to be and how long that's going to take. But the way that she says it is like, she's not at the end of it yet, but she knows that she's approaching the end of it and that she's strong enough to make it to the end of it. Yeah. And neither one of them is, is going to be the same. This is an experience that forced both of them to grow in a lot of ways. Yeah. If, if if I haven't watched anything past (laughs) this episode, if he comes back to New York and is on his old bullshit, I'm done with the show. I don't expect him to be completely different, but like, he's not, this is a big shift for the whole, because because going back to what we said at the beginning of this, where it is, this is not the way they speak to one another. This is a marker of a different way they treat each other. Because even they're, of course, going to get into their old bullshit where they like, you know, it wouldn't be the show. They wouldn't be Chuck and Blair if they weren't some modicum of scheming and planning and whatever. <laughs> but the way they speak to each other is not, it doesn't go back. It's it, it does shift from this because one thing I realized is in this scene might get lost. I love when she says to him that you owe it to her and everyone else you're leaving behind not to run away, which is what you're doing. And I don't think that great man you're talking about wanting to be is a coward i think he would face up to what he did that's not something blair would ever say to him they would be too proud to say something like that to each other and i think that going through what they've been through together at this point she knows she can't play around with not wanting to say to him you're not a coward you should own up to what has happened and you can't run away that's not who you are She wouldn't say that to him before now. What do you think she would have said? I think she would have said they would have danced or it wouldn't have been so direct. It wouldn't have. She's telling him not to run away and that that's what he's doing. She's calling him out, which she, they don't normally do. They just like, I don't know, let it go. Or they say something else or they try and manipulate them to do what they want. Mm -hmm. But she's telling him, you're being a coward and that's not who you are and that you, and then I'm telling you that by doing this, you're running away and you shouldn't. And then of course, your world would be easier if I didn't come back. That's true. But it wouldn't be my world without you in it. 
It's such a perfect ending to the scene. Because that's so hard for her to say. Because it would be easier if she never had to see him again. Why they didn't end that episode right then is beyond me. It's so weird, right? (laughs) So weird. And they go right back to the Serena made Dan bullshit as if we care. (laughs) It cheapens it so much. I wonder why they did that. And there's so much after it, too. There's a whole scene with with Nate and Julia. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't get it. I couldn't care about Nate and Juliet if I tried. (laughs) (laughs) What are they doing? Just put that at the end. A perfect ending. It fades out like an ending. It cuts to black. It's just, just cut it to the ending, you weirdos. 